talking about why we exist and applying it to what we have learned about the early church in Acts and what God might be leading us to know from that. And so we have already shared as we've been walking through this series that we exist here at Richland to magnify Jesus Christ. We are not about you here at Richland and we aren't even about Richland. We are here, the reason we exist, the reason that we come, the reason that we meet together is for him. He is the ultimate. It's about Jesus. It's about his name. He, he has the power to save and it's only in his name that we find salvation. And so we exist to magnify Jesus Christ. We exist to magnify Jesus Christ so that people might see, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, that they might see the glory of God that's found in the face of Christ. And when we talked through this portion of of Acts, we looked at the story from, from the Ethiopian eunuch last week, if you were here. And we talked about how, how Philip, if you remember the story in, in Acts chapter 8, Philip uh, is sent by God down the road uh, and, and meets this Ethiopian eunuch who is headed home. He's, the Ethiopian has come. He's, he's been to the Temple Mount. He's a, he's a God-fearer. He's come to the Temple Mount. He's bought some scrolls. He has, has worshipped there and is now traveling back. And Philip comes alongside him and says, do you understand what you're reading? As he's reading from the scrolls in the book of Isaiah. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, how can I unless someone un- explains it to me? And so Philip jumps into the chariot and begins to explain it to him and walks through, and we walked through last week, Isaiah 53, 54, 55, 56. And as he walks through that, the Ethiopian eunuch, it tells us in Acts chapter eight, the Ethiopian eunuch becomes a child of God. He sees His blindness is removed and he's finally able to see that Jesus Christ has made a way for him to have his sins forgiven, has has taken the eunuch and brought him into the family of God. And the eunuch becomes a child of the king. And we talked about last week, one of the things I said last week was, was we saw in that passage that God uses the power of his word partnered with the obedience and the willingness of his people to bring the lost to himself. And so when I say we exist so that people might see, that's part of what I mean. That we want to be that partner, that we want to attempt to bring understanding and guidance to those who God is drawing to himself. But there's more to existing so that people might see. Because it's more than just moving from from blind to sight. It's more than just moving from lost to found. It's more than just moving from death to life. That is, that is unbelievable. That is exactly why we exist, but it's more than that. Because as we, as we grow in our faith, we realize that we are blinded even, even after our eyes have been opened. We continue to be blinded to our hope, to the power to our need for the cross. And so we continue even after, even after we have come to faith, we continue to need to have our eyes opened. I said last week, we exist so that people might see. So that they might see that life comes through hearing and understanding scripture. We exist so that people might see that no matter the depth of our sinfulness, 
no matter how deep your sin and your selfishness, even your sin and selfishness after you have come to faith, the cross of Jesus is more than enough. And that we might see that no matter how hard we work, no matter how much we serve, no matter how much we try to increase our value to the Father, our hope only comes through the incalculable worth of his Son, Jesus Christ. Today, today I want to talk about the next part of our existence statement. Richland exists so that people might savor the glory of God in the face of Christ. We want people to see Jesus. But we want him to savor Jesus. And when I've talked about the idea of savoring Jesus, there's lots of different words that we can use. In fact, we sang, one of the phrases we sang this morning is, you are the glorious Christ, the greatest of all delights, if you remember that. The greatest of all delights. That we want to be people who delight in Jesus. That he is, that he is our, our, our total satisfaction. That we find joy, that we find anticipation, that we find excitement, that we find rest in him. That we love Jesus so much that it overflows from who we are. That we can say we have tasted and seen that God is good that we have found the true delight in Jesus. In fact, in fact, when Jesus is sharing in, in the Gospels, he's asked, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And, and his reply, you know, the greatest of all the commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that you have. You love God. You delight and find your satisfaction in him that you have tasted and seen. If you remember a couple of years ago as we talked about this, this message, this idea of we exist to savor, we talked about tasting and knowing that God is good. Tasting, feeling, feeling and sensing and knowing and delighting in him. And in fact, as we closed the service, we had maple bacon bars, donuts, for you to taste and savor with the idea that once you've had it, you never go back to any other donut. I don't have donuts for you this morning. I say that to warn you. Don't expect maple bacon bars. But there's another part of Savior. I, I, want, you to, I want you to love him with everything that you are and taste and see that he is good and delight in him. But there's another part to Savior that I want to talk about this morning that I think we get a picture of in Acts chapter 2. There's an idea that individually... You and I need to delight in Jesus, find our rest in him, know that he is the ultimate satisfaction for our soul. But there's another part to savoring, to delighting in him that comes with us doing it together. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because in Acts, we do find, we, we find people that come to faith, and we do find individual stories, but the book of Acts is not about the individual stories, but it's about all of those individual stories together in one corporate group and in one corporate body. And so what I want to look at in Acts chapter 2 today is, is just a few verses that help us, I think, to see 
what does it mean for us together to come together to delight, to find our hope only in Jesus? So let's look. It's Acts chapter 2. We're just going to start in verse 42. It's on page 911. If you're using a pew Bible, it'll also be on the screen this morning. But in Acts chapter 2, we read this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and all had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Those who were being saved. This passage here in Acts chapter 2, if you remember or even if you've just are flipping around in your scripture there you, and, and looking at the headings, you see that this passage here in Acts chapter 2 comes immediately after Pentecost. So the disciples, Jesus has, has, has been crucified, he's been raised, he has come back and taught the disciples, he has then ascended into heaven, and, and the disciples have, have some time where they're waiting in the upper room, in it, waiting for what Jesus has promised. And all of a sudden, while they're in this upper room, the, 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 the spirit arrives and, and comes whipping through. And it's like a wind that comes through and there's fire that's dancing on the heads of the believers. And, and, and everything is, is happening fast. They, they go out to the temple mount and they begin to share and they begin to speak. And Peter preaches and, and everyone that's there, even though they're all speaking different languages, they all hear what Peter is saying in their own language. And it says that thousands, thousands came to faith that day. And this passage immediately follows that passage, right after Peter's message, right after thousands come to faith. Many of those thousands probably, probably went home, but, but not all of them. They stayed. Their lives were changed. They became devoted to the church, Luke tells us. They had found something that they loved so much that they stayed around, they stayed together, and they treasured, they delighted in the truth that had come upon them. This wasn't something, this wasn't something that they just added to their already busy lives. They were changed. They were transformed. Their lives were different because of the spirit that came on them. And they were committed, it says, to several different things. And I just want to walk through those four things that they were committed to and help you to understand how we here at Richland are committed to those things as well. It says they devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the word. That's what the apostles were teaching. In fact, if you flip back a few pages, you'll see Peter is the main spokesman for the church here in these early chapters of Acts. And Peter continually goes back to the Old Testament. He did it early on when they needed to, to find a new disciple to take Judas's spot. Peter references the prophets in the Old Testament. Here at Pentecost, as he preaches on the Temple Mount that day, and as everyone hears that message in their own ears, he's, he's referring back to the Old Testament and pointing, how showing how they pointed to the Messiah. 
They recalled, they were there. These early apostles here in the first part of Acts, they were the ones that walked with Jesus. They were the ones that knew what Jesus had talked about. They remembered his teachings and they used the Old Testament, as Peter did, and the teachings of Jesus and began to share. And the early church was devoted and committed to the word of God. And so the obvious question then here for us is, is are we? Are we devoted to the word? Is it central to who we are? When we talk about we exist so that people might savor, do we corporately together savor the word? And I hope we do. Both as individual believers, I hope that you treasure the word, but also as a united body of Christ. That it's our primary source. It's our primary source for encouragement, for strength, for guidance, for direction, for hope. That the word is what leads us. We want that to be what leads us. I want that to be what leads you individually. That's why you've seen in the back for a number of weeks here as we've started the new year, there's, there's a number of Bible plans there. I hope that you have a systematic approach to looking at Scripture we have a number of, of reading groups in, in our church, a number of people that are grouping together to read the same scriptures and to encourage each other. I hope you're a part of one of those. We have a number of, of studies, that Bible studies and, and, and group studies. I hope you're a part of those things. I hope that the word is important to you and that you're finding a way for corporately to gather so that you might understand and encourage one another from the word. We want all of our ministries here at Richland to be about the word. We want Sunday school classes. We want Bible studies. We want clubhouse classes on Wednesday nights. We want things in the youth group. We want all of our group gatherings to be centered on the word. There are absolutely other things that we do in those gatherings, but we want them to be focused on the word. On Sunday mornings as we gather here, I want you to see and to, and to sense and to hear and to be overwhelmed by the word. That's why it's on the screen when you come in in the morning. I, I want that to prepare your heart for worship. It's why we begin with a call to worship that comes from the scripture. It's why when we, when we pray through the Psalms, we read the whole Psalm, even when it's long, because we want scripture to lead us and guide us. We want to be committed to the word. We want to be immersed in the word. We want there to be moments, as it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 43, where awe came upon their soul. We want there to be moments when, when you read. We want there to be moments when when you hear on Sunday mornings, we want there to be moments when you're in group studies and Bible studies and in the youth group. We want there to be moments when you say, ah, oh, I, I never knew that. I finally understand it. I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged almost, almost every week. I get a, a text or sometimes a call from someone that's reading scripture that has a question about scripture. Now there are times that I get it and think, oh my, what am I going to do with that? But there are other times that I am so grateful 
that I can, can help to someone to understand and to have wisdom as they read through the scripture. We want people to have awe that comes upon their soul and to be changed because of scripture. But they weren't just committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to fellowship. They were committed to each other. They were a group of believers that were gathered together for the expressed and known commitment to one another's good. They gathered together for one another's soul. They didn't just come, they didn't just come as a fellowship like we come to the fellowship hall and eat a donut or have cookie time. That's not what this means. They were committed to each other for the expressed commitment of their soul. They made a commitment to one another. There would have been no churchless believers in the book of Acts, in the time of Acts. It would have been unthought of. If you were a believer, if the Spirit had had come upon you, if you trusted in the name of Jesus, you found others that also trusted in the name of Jesus. You found others who also had the Spirit come and work on them. You spent time together. You believed together. You cared for each other's needs. You attended temple together. You ate meals together. You praised God together day by day, Luke says here in Acts chapter 2. Day by day, continually, you strengthened each other. We want to be a church. We want to be a church that fellowships together well. I've I've said this often. You've heard me say this, I'm sure. But we want, as you come on Sundays, as you come on Wednesdays, we do not want to be a church of church ninjas where you can sneak in and sneak out and nobody notices. That's not what we want to be. I hope that you don't sneak in and sneak out. I hope that you come and that you want to come and you want to connect. That you want to be a part of the ministries and the things that happen at the church. I hope, I hope that you plan to come and to be a part of potlucks and pancake feeds so that you can sit across the table from one another and encourage one another. I hope that you have small groups that you're a part of. Some church-organized small groups, but also just times when you gather together with other believers. That maybe your families get together. Maybe you have moments where it's just one-on-one and you sit together and drink a cup of coffee and encourage each other, share together, eat together, but also pray together. Praise God together. Talk about Jesus together. We want to be a church that fellowships well together. And we want to do it together. We want to know one another well. We want, to, we want you to come and we want you to find others that are on the journey just like you are even in the same stage of life that you are in. We hope that you can come and be connected together. Let me share an example of this. Last week we had an elder meeting, a week ago now. 
And I shared with our elders, I, I had written down a list of, of 12 couples that were in their 20s or so. Some of you are here this morning. Your names were on that list. We probably have 12 couples that could be here any Sunday, are here most Sundays, some of them. 12 couples. We also have uh, five or six different uh, singles that, that aren't a part of a couple that, that would, could be here on a regular Sunday morning. We also have, even this morning as I'm looking out here, we, we have six or eight college students, 10 college students that I don't have on that list. All of these that are in their 20s. And yet I, I said to the elders, my guess is that there's all of these groups that are, that are all of these different couples, all of these that are in their 20s, and they probably come on Sunday morning and they think, you know, I, we might be the only ones. Or there's, there's two of us that, that are, you know, 25 and have one kid in the nursery or one kid in preschool or a couple of kids or no kids. And my hope, what I said to the elders was, my hope is that we can, can provide ways for groups of people to get together when they're in the same stage of life so that they don't think they're the only ones that are here. Because every, every age group, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 50-somethings, 60-somethings, every age group, we're all here. We're intergenerational here together. And I hope that you can find someone to walk alongside. We want you to find someone to fellowship with. We want to do this journey together. And so I hope that you can find someone. I hope you find someone in that same stage, but I hope you also look outside that same stage of life. If you're a 20-something, I hope that you try to find someone who's much older to connect with that might be able to share wisdom and encouragement with you, that might be able to to help you in those nights when, when you're sleepless nights with your toddler or preschooler, they might be able to say, these days go fast. I need, I need ones that are older than me to tell me that when my college-age kids, high school-age kids, that, that it's okay. Some of the things that we work on and struggle with and hope for, that that's normal. It's good for me to have people that say that. And so I hope that you find someone that will journey along with you. And we're working on different ways that we can make that happen. Pastor Stephen and I have been talking even about these, these couples, ways that we might be able to connect them together. We're working on that. But we want to join our entire church together in the midst of this. And so one of the things that we're doing, that we've been talking about, you've even heard, I've shared this a couple times, one of the things that we're going to do right now, we're going to start it today, is we are going to put together a directory for our church so that you can see and know and pray for the others that are here with us. And, and I know we've had directories in the past. We're not doing a directory like what we've done in the past. We are not having a professional photographer come in and take a bunch of pictures of us and put us in a directory and then so that 10 years later we can look at it and laugh at all the pictures. We're not going to do that. What we're doing is so much less than that. <laughs> we, have, we have a database. We have a, a, a list of families that we, that we use. Our elders have the list. We, we pray through that list. Pastor Stephen and I pray through a portion of that list every single week. Our elders have a portion of that list every month that they pray through to pray over the names of the people in our church. We are going to use that list that we already have in our own database. Our database that we use allows us to put a family picture 
with that in that group. There's two pictures in our database right now. One is of the Dignan family and one is of the Duncan family. Those are the only two we have. But we want your picture. And so there's a slide here to remind you, we are going to put together a family pictorial directory. And what we want you to do is not to get a professional picture taken. We want you to grab your cell phone in these next couple of weeks and take a selfie. We don't, want, we don't want a picture of your family outside the Grand Canyon showing your favorite vacation. We, we want to see your faces. We want a close-up of your faces. We don't care where you are. In fact, when I'm done this morning, if you want right in your own pew, if you have your whole family with you, I want you to take a selfie right there and send it to Pastor Stephen or myself or the office. You can email it to us. You can text it to us, whatever is easiest for you. But we want you to send us a picture. If you don't like it, if, if it gets published and we send it out to families and you think, oh, I hate that picture, take another one. We'll change it. We'll distribute new, new directories. We're going to email them out. We want, we want everyone in our fellowship together to know each other to pray for one another. I want you to have a list of the families and all of the names of the children that are in that family so that you can walk through it and pray individually, name by name by name, and we think a picture might help us to do that. And so we hope that you'll send us a picture. And so the doors are open. Take a selfie. If you have one, if you have something from Christmas where it has all your family in their Christmas PJs, send it to us. We'll put it in the directory. We're not looking for professional photos. We just want to be able to look and to know so that we, so that we can come together, so that we can fellowship together, so that we can lift one another up, so that when you come on Sunday mornings, you'll see someone across the sanctuary or across the hall, and you'll say, that, I know them. I've seen their picture. I saw their Christmas PJs. I know who they are. And you can use their name, and you can say, I prayed for you this week. They were committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the fellowship. They were committed to the breaking of bread, it says. This breaking of bread that they talk about, there's, there's a couple different instances of breaking of bread in this passage. I think one of them, this first one, talks about communion specifically. The second one, I think, talks about breaking bread together in homes. There's some commentators that will talk about all those different things. But they're committed to the breaking of bread. They're com- committed to communion because... They knew, they knew that they were committed to the word, but they knew that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among them. They knew Jesus. They knew his face. They remembered his words. They knew how he walked and what he looked like and what he smelled like. They knew the word. And so they were committed to remembering, to remembering his teaching, especially the teaching that he gave on the night before he died, before he was crucified, when he said, this is my body, this is my blood, do this in remembrance of me. And so we here at Richland, we are committed to savoring together through the sharing of communion. We do it once a month here at Richland. We do it on the first Sunday of the month, or we try to. That's our normal, regular schedule. 
And we want everyone who has trusted in the name of Jesus to share with us in communion. We do it so that we can point to Jesus. So that every single time we do it, we have a reminder that Jesus' body bore our shame. That Jesus' blood covers our sin. That Jesus' death was on our behalf. That he became sin for me, Paul tells us. We do it often to show our dependence. We do it with our head bowed to reflect on our repentance. We do it with eyes raised in gratefulness for the continued work that he does in and through us. And we do it side by side so that we can be reminded of his work, not just in me, but also in you and our need to encourage each other. We break bread together so that we might savor Jesus Christ. He also, Luke also reminds us that they were committed to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship together, to the breaking of bread, and and then to prayer. Prayer was a focal point for Luke. It was a focal point in Luke, in, in the gospel of Luke, when he talks about Jesus, he points us over and over to the fact that Jesus prayed tells us that over and over, shows us that. And then in the book of Acts, over 20 times he tells us about prayers that were prayed and offered up in Acts. That prayer is the engine that drives the church. And that we want to be committed to prayer. We want the devotion to prayer to be the hallmark of our church. And I'm grateful I'm grateful for all of the ways that we are able to pray and all of the ways that we're able to spend time in prayer. Some of, as we've prayed through scripture is one of the ways, but we also pray for each other. We, we, we want to be a people of prayer. I'm grateful that Pastor Stephen has been leading us in, in, in monthly or almost monthly at least prayer gatherings on Sunday nights. I hope that you can come and to pray with us. I'm grateful for the, for the times each week in our staff meeting that Pastor Stephen and I can pray together and pray over you. I'm grateful for our elders who have been praying over our church. And I'm grateful for your desire to pray together as well. I hope that you might use, as I just said earlier, this directory that we're putting together, I hope that you might use it not just to learn names, but to pray over those names that you might intentionally pray over the families in our church. Richland exists so that we might savor together the glory of God in the face of Christ. We want to be a church that passionately follows Jesus together. We want to be a church that loves Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and that we do it together. We want to be a church that wholeheartedly treasures Scripture, His Word, together. We want to be a church that unashamedly and generously cares for each other, and that we do it together. We want to be a church that prays regularly, specifically and purposefully for each other. And we want to do it together. In fact, we believe these things so passionately, so emphatically 
that we actually ask people to join us in that together. We ask you to join us as members in our fellowship together. We want you to be a part of us and we want to work together, that we covenant together to savor the glory of God in the face of Christ. Some of you have talked about joining our church and becoming members and we're having a membership class. You see it in your bulletin. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer coming on Sunday night, March 5th. We want you to join us in this so that we might work through it together. And what I want to do as we close this morning is I want you, if you, are, if you have come into the church in the last six or seven years, ten years maybe, and become a member of, of Richland, you have walked through our membership covenant. We ask you to read it. We help you to, to understand it. We ask you to, to sign it. And then when, when we bring you in, we ask you to affirm it in front of the church body. If you haven't, if you came in before that, or if you have not come in yet, you don't know what our membership covenant is, or you might not know what our membership covenant is here at Richland. And so this morning, as we close our service, I'm going to ask the worship team to come here so they can maybe be ready as we get done. But we're going to read through our membership covenant together. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to read with me. We're going to read in unison what our membership covenant is. Because we want you to join us so that we might savor the glory of God in the face of Christ together. We exist so that we might savor together. And this is the covenant that we make when we savor the glory of God in the face of Christ together. And so it's going to be on the screen. We're going to read it in unison. If you are a member with us here at Richland, it's good for you to be reminded of the covenant that you have made. If you aren't a member here at Richland, this will help you to better understand what choices, what declarations we are making so that we might be members here at the church together. But wherever you're at in that journey today, I hope that you will read these and that you will, will treasure them as a covenant for us together. So we're going to read them in unison. It might take us a couple of minutes to do this, but I hope that you might be strengthened by it. This is our covenant here. Let's read in unison together. Having been brought by God's grace to repent, believe, and place the full weight of hope of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we now, depending on the Holy Spirit, establish this covenant with one another. Here they are. In all we do, we will aim to glorify and enjoy the God of our salvation from whom and through whom and to whom are all things. To him be glory forever. We will eagerly maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace by walking together in love and in the Spirit by putting away all bitterness, anger, and injurious speech. With humility and gentleness, patience and love, we will be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. 
we will carry each other's burdens and lovingly watch over one another, rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep. We will train our children in the instruction of the Lord, seeking to walk in a way that adorns the gospel of Christ before our family, friends, and neighbors. We will strive to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age as we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. We will not neglect to gather together, but will support and treasure the biblical preaching of the whole counsel of God, the faithful observance of baptism in the Lord's Supper, and the loving exercise of church discipline. We will contribute cheerfully and generously to the expenses of the church, the relief of the poor, and the advancement of the gospel, both to our neighbors and the nations. We affirm the Richland Faith Affirmations. Let me take a break right there. The Richland Faith Affirmations is another sheet that you get in the midst of our membership class. These are the things that we affirm If you would like one of these, we can sure get them to you. They're also on our church website. You can look up our faith affirmations there. These are the commitments that we we affirm as a part of being a member at Richland. I I hope that you'll read and review those on your time today. Let's read this together, though. We affirm the Richland faith affirmations. Then we will, when we move from this place... Unite as soon as possible with some other church where we can carry out the spirit of the covenant. And then the covenant closes with this. In all these things, we rely on our God who has made a new and everlasting covenant with us, saying, they shall be my people and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me forever For their own good and for the good of their children after them, I will not turn away from doing good to them, and I will put the fear of me in their hearts, that they may not turn from me. I will rejoice in doing them good with all my heart and all my soul. In and because of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We exist so that people might savor together, so that we might savor together the glory of God in the face of Christ. I'm grateful that you have joined me in that endeavor, and I hope that we will continue to partner together so that we might savor together the glory of God. Please stand as we worship this morning.
today comes from Romans chapter 15. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming.